What's up? Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, August 24th, 2015. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only in-house union screen printer in Boston, specializing in custom uniforms and business apparel. Follow them on Twitter at Beantown underscore dot. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Beantown Athletics. And on Instagram, swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester or give them a call 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Also bring your skates by. Hockey season right around the corner. I know some rinks here in the Boston area are opening up soon. Uh, so get your skate shopping at Beantown Athletics as well. And when you do come or give them a call, make sure you tell them. I sent you. So Monday afternoon, uh, I, you know, I come into Beantown Athletics today and I hear a couple people asking me if I watched the Little League World Series comeback last night. And I said, no, I, I watched a real life event like WWE SummerSlam, uh, an event that's not predetermined like WWE SummerSlam. You can hear the sarcasm in my voice, obviously, but I'm not I'm not being sarcastic when I tell you that I actually did watch SummerSlam and not the Little League comeback. And I'm glad I did. I mean, you know, if you listen to the show many times before, I even previewed SummerSlam last week. And in fact, I was somewhat surprised to see that ESPN, they had SportsCenter live from SummerSlam yesterday in the afternoon. Now, SummerSlam was at the Barclays Center in New York City, where the Brooklyn Nets play. And, you know, I guess that's close to where Bristol is, where ESPN is. So maybe they figured, hey, let's just make the drive. We'll send the coach down, Jonathan Coachman, right? He used to be in the WWE. Now he works for ESPN. He does SportsCenter. Uh, so they had the coach, and he was talking to some of the wrestlers. And, and, and it, it got me fired up. But it also brings me back to I had a point that I made at least around the time of WrestleMania, and I think you can make it again, which is that it absolutely looks as if ESPN and the WWE have some type of partnership brewing. I don't know what that is, but it just feels that way. And at least, and I, well, I said that at first because Brock Lesnar was on ESPN, right? He was on SportsCenter. He made his announcement that he was staying in the WWE, that he was not going back to the UFC and, you know, then you had some other stuff going on with some wrestlers, going on with Michelle Beadle on their show on Sports Nation. We, I had Michelle Beadle on this podcast right before WrestleMania, and we talked to her about that. And, and she sort of ad- admitted such, which was that, yeah, it does feel like there's some type of partnership brewing between ESPN and the WWE. I, I don't know where they go with that. I don't know if there will eventually be some WWE programming on ESPN. I have no idea. It is humorous to see some people on Twitter last night not happy with that. Because ESPN was given live tweet updates about the results of SummerSlam last night. Which was another thing that told me that there's some type of partnership potentially brewing. So... Uh, we'll keep our eye on it, but SummerSlam was entertaining last night. It was. It just, I don't understand the finishes to the last two match matches. I shouldn't, you know what? I, I should say this, the, the last two biggest matches, the two biggest matches of the night. Because I feel like you need to, you need to end the night with the title match. I don't care who's in it. The WWE Championship, I feel like, should be the most important thing, more important than anyone's undefeated streak that got broken at WrestleMania, a WrestleMania undefeated streak that got broken, right? 
sure, the Undertaker, the Brock Lesnar angle, Brock Lesnar, you know, the beast. He's the guy that this company certainly, they like to, to use him to be the face of the company, at least at this point. Uh, and I can understand that. John Cena is another, though. And while some people might be sick and tired of John Cena, but John Cena, I guess you could say he's the face of WWE because of all the titles that he has, and he's going for the 16th, right? He was going for the 16th, 16-time world championship. I, I don't care who's in that match, though. I don't care who's in that match. The title match should always be the final match of the evening for one of these pay-per-views, especially such a big event like SummerSlam. They didn't have that happen. Um, but that match resulted in a finish that I don't understand. Like, John Stewart came down. I hope this isn't a spoiler, but John Stewart came in, who is the host of SummerSlam. You know, I'm formerly of Comedy Central. And, you know, John Stewart's great at what he does. But, and that's fine that he's going to host SummerSlam. He's a big wrestling fan, obviously. But there's having John Stewart host SummerSlam, and then there's having John Stewart interfere in the championship match, which is what, again, I just pointed out to you, to be what I think the biggest match of the night should always be the championship match. Even though the Lesnar Taker under, the Lesnar Undertaker match, they wanted to pump this thing up, okay, and they had that as the last match, and I'll get to that in a second, because that was the other finish that I didn't really understand. But the Cena-Rollins championship match... To have Jon Stewart come in, hit Cena with the chair, interfere in the match, and help Seth Rollins win is, is stupid. It's just ridiculously stupid to me. And I heard mixed emotions. People who love Jon Stewart, not that I, I hate him. I'm, I think when, when on his show, I thought he was great. I thought he was, he was funny. But that doesn't mean I think he should be running in the ring for one of the main events at SummerSlam and interrupting in the title match. I, I just don't think that should be happening. Now, I, I get it. The reason they did it is because they know Jon Stewart's a big name and they want him. You know, they know that that's going to bring news. Like, people are going to be talking about that the next day. But I just, I, I don't like it. I don't like that one bit. I didn't like the way they, they ended that. I'm a Seth Rollins guy, but I don't like the way that they finished that match last night. And then the Undertaker-Brock Lesnar match, she had Undertaker kind of tap out. And they rang the bell, and they say, oh, no, you jumped the gun ringing the bell. He, What are you talking about? And then Brock Lesnar, you know, he passed out to an Undertaker headlock, I guess you could call it, a, some submission move, and it was over. And then Paul Heyman gets the mic, and he says, no, the replays will show that the Undertaker actually tapped out. I saw some people on Twitter that wanted to come up with these conspiracy theories that the Undertaker was just tapping Brock Lesnar to let him know that the headlock was on, or the, the armbar was on him too tight. He actually was hurting him, so he tapped him to, to, to tell him to let it go, and the, the guy that was, you know, ringing the bell jumped the gun, saw the tap, and rang the bell, and it kind of messed up with the storyline. And no, I, there's no way that would that happen. In fact, they were so quick to show us the replay during the event that it absolutely, look, this is, they, these are, again, predetermined outcomes, and I'm not knocking it. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm going to watch. I'm going to come back. I'm going to watch Monday Night Raw tonight, and I think that's part of what they also want to do. They want, they want to keep you hooked. They want you watching Raw tonight, and I'll watch because I'm interested to see how these things are going to play out, these finishes and these endings to these big matches that I question. But the people that want to go into conspiracy theory and think that 
maybe the Undertaker-Lesnar match was not supposed to end that way, or at least the bell was never supposed to ring after the uh, the Undertaker tapping out. I No, I, I think they had the replay for you so quick that sometimes the best angles, in fact, most of the times the best storylines and the best angles in the WWE are the ones in which the next day or that night you actually question and you say, wow, was this a real life? Did somebody mess up here? Or did somebody actually get hurt in this situation? There were a couple times during the Undertaker match where I'm going, and the people I was watching it were going, I think he's really hurt. Or I think that the Undertaker is dying right now on us in that ring. Like, I don't think he's good. And then you have, I'm reading on Fox Sports today, on their website, foxsports.com, they have a video of the Undertaker, sort of, he falls down and collapses as he's leaving the arena. And... Again, sure, it looks shady, and it looks like, wow, this guy is old as dust, and he probably shouldn't be getting suplexed and thrown around, especially through tables like Brock Lesnar was throwing him to, throwing him through. Um, That probably shouldn't be going on in his body, in his life. And since it is, yeah, he's going to feel the effects of that, and and the effects of that may be him collapsing or possibly even uh, dying (laughs) on this night, but... So it's interesting to see the videos of him collapsing, but I think that they that's all still part of the act, I think. I think. But it was an interesting night, not because of those two questionable finishes. They, I'll say this about, and there's even people that I talk to that don't like Kevin Owens, and I was one of them at first, but Kevin Owens, the Kevin Owens-Cesaro match was awesome. It was. Kevin Owens is not... At least when you look at him, you say to yourself, this is not the most athletic dude that's going to step in to the squared circle. But the things that he can do, even off the top rope, are pretty impressive. To the point where I'm looking at him going, when is this kid going to get a title shot? A push at the title? He, it, that might be coming for him. They put him at the end of this show for a reason, right? They put him as one of the final matches. Kevin Owens Cesaro. They put that at the end for a reason. They knew what type of show that was going to be, and they knew what type of show that was going to be because of Kevin Owens. Look, I like Cesaro too, but they're doing that for Kevin Owens. And obviously those two guys work well together. But he's Kevin Owens is going to be one of the next big things. And you, if you didn't see that during the John Cena matches that he had lately, you see it here in that one last night against Cesaro. What else going on? Oh, I, I, I didn't like the New Day or a New Day at first. Uh, I like them now. They're, they're entertaining. I, but, I, but I think that's part of what they do. They say if they can stick a group of guys together for a long time, then eventually you're going to come around on them. This, I didn't think I would on them. I, I, that was entertaining last night. And then a major question I have, Rusev is not Russian anymore? When did that happen? I, did I miss that part of the storyline? The Bulgarian brute, that's what they've always sort of called him, though, even when he was Russian. But now he comes out with the Russian flag. What are they saying? Maybe just Lana was Russian? Lana's with Dolph Ziggler now. And I don't even know if Lana still, does she still have a Russian accent? I have no idea. Lana was awesome last night, though. She was killing it. Lana killed it last night. If you saw SummerSlam, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, You know how much, if you listen to the show, you know how much I love Lana. Anyways, I don't get that storyline with Rusev. Now he's Bulgarian. He always was the Bulgarian brute, but he had the Russian flag, this, that, and the other thing. He was Russian. Now it's, he's not. So I don't know when that changed. But overall, it was an exciting event. And if you have questions about the finishes for the two biggest matches, the title match with Rollins and Cena, and then obviously the final match with 
Lesnar and The Undertaker. You have questions about the way those things ended. Well, perhaps they are just leading you on and they want you to get those questions answered tonight on Monday Night Raw, which is why I'll be watching. Okay? So, they they did their job if that is the case. Uh, but I, I'll also say this. It was pretty cool to see ESPN tweeting and covering SummerSlam last night. It was. And, and look, I'm someone that's going to, you know, you know if you listen to the show, I'm going to break down football, I'm going to break down baseball, hockey, basketball, you name it. We're going to go there. But I'm a WWE, I was grew up a WWF fan, I'm going to watch this stuff. And, you know, if we're talking entertainment, okay, if, if you want to add some type of programming at some point, go ahead. Go ahead. Because, look, you see professional athletes that love the WWE. There's a reason why now when teams win championships um, like or, or when they win certain things, like you win the home run derby now, guess what happens? Adam Jones comes running out with the WWE championship and the guy has it around his waist or, around his, or over his shoulder. There's a, there's a reason why you see that because these guys enjoy it too. Uh, you know, Josh Reddick in Oakland, he sort of changed, uh, I shouldn't say changed the way guys pick walk-up music, but... I think that he certainly took it to a new level with regards to him saying, I want a walk-up song that sort of resembles what a WWE wrestler uh, would have when he comes to the ring. Like, I want my walk-up music coming into the batter's box. I want that to feel, I want people to feel like I'm a wrestler walking into the ring as I walk up to the plate, right? That's what he said. That's what he wants. And then, of course, you get certain teams, I believe it was even the Orioles, probably because of Adam Jones, where their whole team, their walk-up music was WWE entrance music. Old school music, new music, you name it. And, and that's what they do. Uh, I mean, even here with the Red Sox, right? Dustin Pedroia, Josh Reddick, when Reddick was at the Red Sox. But Pedroia, too. They, they had the Ric Flair robe hanging uh, from, from the ceiling inside the Red Sox clubhouse. So there's, there's obviously interest within professional sports and the athletes themselves with the WWE, every event that there is in a certain city, you see a professional athlete there. I mean, we just saw Seth Rollins shitting all over Johnny Manziel when they were in Cleveland because Johnny Manziel was at Raw and he was sitting in the front row and he didn't sit in the front row at Raw because he wanted to be seen or somebody uh, told him he had to go. He went to Raw because he wanted to go, right? There are so many connections with WWE and... Uh, professional athletes, it's not even funny. And then now when you factor in the whole UFC stuff, right? You got Ronda Rousey in the ring at WrestleMania. You got CM Punk going to the UFC. You got Brock Lesnar going uh, WWE, UFC, back to WWE. I mean, he was the heavyweight champion in UFC, right? So you got, there are the connections there. And then people will get fired up. But that doesn't mean I'm going to sit here and abandon uh, baseball, hockey, football, and it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to, just because they would be on the same station, it doesn't mean I'm going to compare the two things. doesn't mean that at all. I mean, you know, ESPN, for as much as we knock them and crush them about the Flakegate, right? I mean, you could be NFL.com today, right? You could, you could be NFL.com. I don't know if you've been paying attention to that story. But on NFL.com, they had a video that was up for a full year of Chris Carter and Warren Sapp talking to NFL rookies, right? Chris Carter, he calls Teddy Bridgewater 
up to the stage. Right? And they're, give, they're supposed to be giving these guys advice. Now, first and foremost, if you're in the National Football League, forget about the videos that you're on your website. Forget that you're going to put the video on your website. You know, or you have to say to yourself, hey, we want a little symposium here. We want, uh, we want a couple guys talking to the rookies. We want a, you know, a couple guys talking to the rookies. Who are we going to get? I mean, if you're in the room making that decision, and apparently you, we're hearing that Troy Vincent is the guy that ran this thing, right? Even if he, whoever ran it, doesn't matter who it is. Obviously, Troy Vincent, we're passionate about him because he's the guy that is uh, heavily involved in Deflategate and the Tom Brady four-game suspension. But uh, whoever you are, and you say to yourself, look, we, the rookies are coming in. We need, so we need a couple former players, Hall of Famers even, to talk to the rookies and give them some advice. First of all, are you really going to Warren Sapp? Like, is, th- is that what you're going to do? And, and you're also going to go with Chris Carter? Those are the two guys you pick to give advice to the rookies in your league? Eh. Okay, and then you factor in, all right, we're going to record this, and this is going to be on the website. I guess if you say anything, if you're Troy Vincent of the NFL at that point, you say, you say to yourself, all right, guess what? Maybe Chris Carter and Warren Sapp aren't the best examples to step up on this stage and, and talk to the rookies. But, you know, when it comes to, especially with Sap, guys who have maybe made mistakes and they can tell some of their stories to tell these kids and say, hey, don't make the same mistakes that I did. Okay, I guess I can. I guess you could sell me on that if you got me in a room and you needed to force this thing down my throat to okay this decision. I guess that would be how you sell, sold it, right? I guess that's how you sell it. All right, so then when you get to that point and you have Sap and you have Carter and you're talking to the rookies and, and, and they're talking, well, <laughs> gets out of control here. Gets out of control because if your purpose is to get guys to maybe talk about, uh, here's how you learn from mistakes, then what the message should be is, here am I, if you're the player that's talking, you say to the kids, here are my mistakes, and here's what you can't do. Don't do it how I did it. Instead, Chris Carter goes up on stage in front of the rookies, and he says, you guys, you need to have a fall guy. You need to have a fall guy in your crew, because if you do something the wrong way, or you fuck up, and... You know, you're out partying and something happens. You need to have a fall guy in your crew that's going to take the heat, that's going to make sure that you, and he, and at this point, Chris Carter calls Teddy Bridgewater up to the stage. He goes, Teddy, come here. <laughs> Teddy, get up here. I mean, the fact that he would drag Teddy Bridgewater into this thing is maybe, to me, the most embarrassing part. Not only are you giving a message, you're going to bring the kid on stage to deliver this message? He says, Teddy, come here. He says, Teddy, you need a fall guy. This right here, this is, this is Teddy Bridgewater, Inc. And Warren Sapp's next to him going, oh, yep, Teddy Bridgewater, Inc. And Chris Carter's going, you need a fall guy in your crew. So that if something happens to you, you need someone taking the heat for this. You need someone to take the heat or, 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 or maybe help get you out of trouble. Right? You need a fall guy in your crew. And and towards the end of it, Warren Sapp sort of, you know, he's agreeing with this. 
right? He's agreeing with that. I will say this. I think at first, I, I keep looking at this video. And it was on NFL.com for a year, and they just took it down. Right? I don't know why they would even put it up there. Never mind how long it was up there for. I don't know why they would put it up there in the first place. They just said, oh, Carter and Sapp, okay. They didn't watch it? They didn't listen to it? They watched it and didn't listen? I don't know what's going on in the NFL.com um, offices there. But they throw the video up. And at, I'm, I kept watching the video. And Warren Sapp, as he's, as he's l- sitting down looking at Chris Carter telling these kids that they need a fall guy in their crew, rather than stand up there and go, you know, here's how we did it. We need, this is what they, because this is what they should have said. What they should have said is, you know what? We came into the league and we thought we need a fall guy in our crew. And what I want you kids to do is instead of doing how we did it and got a fall guy for your crew, here's what I want you to do. I want you to not get a fall guy because what I need you to do is focus on instead of accepting the fact that you're going to do some stupid shit, I need you to focus on not doing stupid shit, okay? So don't get a fall guy. Don't do it like me. Don't do it like Warren. Don't do it like many players that have done it before in the past. Because guess what? Look, the harsh reality of this whole fall guy conversation is the harsh reality of this is that what they're saying is, is most likely the mindset of a lot of rookies in the NFL. And, and probably not just in the NFL, in professional sports, right? Need a fall guy in your crew. It, it, the harsh reality, the sad reality is that that is, they don't need Chris Carter or Warren Sapp to tell them to do that, for that to be the reality and for players to actually think that. The sad reality is that that is probably a mindset that these kids have anyways, which is, which is sad. So what you should be doing is, if you want to talk about a fall guy, talk about how you had him, how players have had him in the past, and you say, instead of getting the fall guy and just accepting that you're going to do stupid shit, here's what I need you to do. Don't get a fall guy and focus instead on not doing stupid shit. How's that? Now, they didn't do that. And Chris Carter didn't do that. And as he's opening this thing up, I've watched the video over and over again. There's a moment in time where I kind of look at towards the beginning. Warren Sapp is sitting down and he stands up and he's looking up at Chris Carter and he's going, what the fuck is he saying right now? And am I supposed to nod my head or laugh to this? Like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? I, honestly, I, I feel like that was going through his head for a moment. And then as Chris Carter gets into it, Warren Sapp stands up and he's like, no, he's right. <laughs> oh, no, he's right. You better get your ass a fall guy in your crew. Oh, man. I mean, how stupid is that? It's, it's so stupid. I can't even fathom how stupid it is. The dumbest part of the whole thing, though is that after they go into the whole get a fall guy in your fucking crew, Chris Carter goes into this whole how, this is what he says. He said, y'all hit the lottery. Cash it in, man. You'll hit the lottery. Cash it in. Cash it in. And he starts going into sending a message to the rookies about how they shouldn't take anything for granted and to do things the right way. And I'm watching it going, what the fuck are you talking about? Two seconds ago, literally, it's a transition like no other. I've never seen a transition in a pep talk like this. It's, it's, it's beautiful. I, I don't even know how to describe it other than fucking beautiful. I, 
is anybody, nobody, that whose brain is, is functioning properly can go from get a fall guy in your crew to you guys hit the lottery, cash it in, and do things the right way. Like, uh, the transition is is so seamless that I can't even wrap it around my brain how these thoughts even come into your head and how you think that this could be the right pep talk to give. It's be- these guys are beautiful. I don't know what else to say. Uh, because those are two. Those couldn't be com- more different messages to get across to kids who are sitting there going, you know, wide-eyed. Right? Does Chris Carter not know who the fuck he is? Does Warren Sapp not know who, not know who the fuck he is? Like, I, I don't care what they've done and-, and-, and how bad either of them have fucked up or, or whatever, whatever that has happened in personal lives. I don't care. These kids look up to those guys like you don't understand. And you're going to tell the message you're going to give is go out and get yourself a fall guy for your crew so that when you fuck up, somebody else can take the heat for you. I mean, and then when you when you do that, you then quickly transition to telling the kids to do things the right way and you hit the lottery, cash it in. Don't take anything for granted. What, what the fuck is this guy talking about? And then, on top of it all, that video goes back to the NFL, and the NFL.com offices, wherever it is, and whoever's running it, decides, this is good. <laughs> let's, let's, let's throw this. Let's throw this up on the website. See how many hits it gets. Holy shit. Wow. And, and the funny thing about it is, I don't know what type of advertisements they've been rolling on that video for the last for the last year before they took it down, but I'm I'd like to know how much money they made off the advertisement that rolled on that video. Uh, because that's pretty much all they they cared about, apparently. Not what the actual message was that uh, a couple of Hall of Famers were dishing off to the kids, <laughs> and not only that, during the whole, again I can't get over the whole, Teddy, come here. <laughs> He calls Teddy Bridgewater up to the stage. I'm going, what are you doing? Like, how? Why? Are you serious? Really? That's what you, that's the advice? Like, who else was in the room for this? Because there must have been some type of NFL leaders, right? Some people in the NFL, high-ranking officials, I don't know, someone. Other people were in the room. They didn't just put rookies, Chris Carter, Warren Sapp, and there was no one else from the NFL in this room to hear this conversation. There must have been people in there. What the hell were they thinking when this is going on? And, and word never got back to say, hey, uh, uh, Warren Sapp and Chris Carter just told the kids to get a fall guy for their crew. I think we should probably edit that part out. I can't believe they said that. We should probably edit that part out of the video so that nobody sees that that happened. <laughs> People are just living in uh, on another planet in the National Football League. You know, the sad reality, again, is that these kids probably didn't need them to say that for them to have that mindset. Like, that's probably a mindset that's accepted and goes on anyways. You know, it shouldn't be, not to everybody, but to some, you know, it is. It's, it's sad. But 
you know, in, in a way they are right. That is Teddy Bridgewater Inc. And you're going to get some people that are either going to try to, you know, take some of your success, take some of your money. But at the same time, you as an individual and as, you know, Teddy Bridgewater Inc., you need to you need to protect yourself. And if something stupid does happen, well, I, I guess if you don't want to get in trouble, it's better off to have a fall guy in your crew. But that shouldn't be the message. The message should be, don't do something stupid. Don't do stupid shit. Okay? How about you focus on that? But they, that's not the message they had. It's, it's it, you know what? It's hilarious. How stupid those comments are, are hilarious. Okay? So, that's, that's the, that's, that's, I, we didn't have the Flategate news this weekend, so I guess that's the extent of NFL controversy that we have. Though there was one, def- I should say this, there was the Flategate story with regards to a player speaking out against the Flategate. Uh, and, and it is offensive lineman, Cleveland Brown pro bowler, Joe Thomas. Here's what he says about Deflategate and the four-game suspension that is currently being upheld and that Tom Brady, I guess if the season started today, he'd have to serve. Based, but we, obviously, we don't know what's going on. So I'll just say, the four-game suspension that was handed down, here's what offensive lineman and Cleveland Browns pro bowler Joe Thomas had to say about it over the weekend. He said, quote, I would equate what Tom Brady did to driving 66 miles per hour in a 65-speed zone and getting the death penalty. Let me read that again. He says, I would equate what Tom Brady did to driving 66 in a 65-speed zone and getting the death penalty. <laughs> you know, I, it sounds like, he, he, look, he's right on the money. And then he said, you know what, though? What Roger Goodell, and he obviously says this with some sarcasm, with some pretty strong sarcasm. He says, what Roger Goodell is doing is brilliant. He says, quote, I'm not sure if, Goodell realizes what he's doing is brilliant, but what he's doing is brilliant because he's made the NFL relevant 365 days by having these outrageous, ridiculous witch hunts. It's made the game more popular than ever, and it's become so much more of an entertainment business, and it's making so much money. Thomas continues, That's why I'm sure there's plenty of people saying this is embarrassing for the league, but it's an entertainment business when it comes right down to it. When the game gets eyeballs in newspapers and on TV, that's what, in the end, is the goal for everyone. And that's what this controversy is giving them. This is an interview that he gives to ESPN.com. Um, he called Goodell's decision completely ridiculous because he says he allows the league, uh, the league allows quarterbacks to, to prepare footballs the way they want. And again, the quote I just gave you from from Thomas, from Joe Thomas about you know he's br- Goodell's brilliant because he's kept the game relevant for 365 days. Look, that's he's saying that somewhat sarcastic. Going, well, that's the way the league is run. Now he's not saying he agrees with that. He's just saying that since that's the way the league's run and it's entertainment, well, Goodell I guess is doing a pretty good job at that part of it. But he's obviously defending Tom Brady. He says, quote, if you want quarterbacks to play with a brand new football that comes out of the box, then make that the rule. If you're going to allow them to break it in because you want more passing yards, then let them do whatever they want. Thomas continues, who cares if they throw a football that has no air pressure? What does it matter? 
Why don't we let the quarterbacks do whatever they want to the football? I don't understand why there's any rules. Thomas continues. He says, we know quarterbacks already docked the footballs 99%. Why do we care about the 1% in the air pressure? Why does that matter? Nobody's even explained why that even matters. Thomas goes on. He says, Tom Brady is not a cheater. Quote, I think he's trying to do everything he can to gain a competitive advantage to help him do his job better, which is to throw the football. Why should we be punishing a guy that wants to do his job better? He then goes into Goodell and the disciplinary powers uh, that he has in many NFL matters um, and the CBA agreement that gives him that power. Thomas says, quote, But it was probably an oversight by the players because they didn't expect him to act so unreasonably because his predecessor did not act unreasonably. But I think we're talking about a different NFL now. Like I said, before it was more about the game. Now, it's such an entertainment business. It's almost like the Kim Kardashian factor that any news is good news when you're in the NFL. So, that's Joe Thomas basically saying... If the league's going to be about entertainment, if it's going to be about the story of the game rather than the game itself, and you want to keep the NFL in the news, and you don't care what the story is, and negative news is still good news because it is news, then Goodell's acting brilliantly. But again, somewhat sarcastic because he obviously taking Tom Brady's side. Tom Brady's not doing anything right, as he said. He gets the death penalty for driving 66 in a 65-speed zone. And, and I would agree with him. But other than that, I mean, how much Deflategate stuff did we have this weekend? Not much. Right? We just, the NFL story had that Chris Carter. <laughs> just, uh, and again, I mean, I had never seen that. That was a year ago, right? Was that a little over a year ago? It was a year ago. The NFL, on the NFL's website for a year. That's crazy. Uh, if you're watching Hard Knocks, which I am, and I will continue to do so, it's about the Houston Texans. And if you are looking for, you know, what's going to happen with their quarterback position, Brian Hoyer has been named their starter. That is the breaking news recently. We'll take it to locally, though, and it's not the Flakegate related with the Patriots, but Reggie Wayne has signed with the Pats. Former Indianapolis Colts wide receiver Reggie Wayne He arrived in New England on Saturday night. He took a physical yesterday, and I told you on WEEI yesterday that the Patriots should not let Reggie Wayne leave Foxborough without a contract. Now, you get into this morning, and you start seeing the news of Jordy Nelson is injured. They fear it might be a torn ACL. You got a couple receiver injuries uh, around the National Football League. There was a report right before Reggie Wayne officially signed, and Adam Schefter broke the news That he signed with the Patriots, there was a report that the Packers were going to try to get Reggie Wayne to Green Bay. And in fact, maybe that helped matters for the Patriots. Because if you're Reggie Wayne, you know, at this point, it sounds like you're on the little free agent tour where you're going to have teams test you out and give you a physical. You know, you skipped skipped training camp and now here you go into practice. You're a veteran receiver, uh, 14 years in the league. You're 36 years old. You're going to be 37 years old. And you think you can sign with a team and be productive because last season in 15 games, you had almost 800 yards receiving, 779 to be exact. And you say, hey, I can still play. And if I play in an offense that uses me the right way with a quarterback that's elite 
and can be in a in a in playoff and Super Bowl contention, then this will be the best case scenario for me. Patriots aren't the only option with the Jordy Nelson injury. All of a sudden, if you're the Patriots, you got to hear these reports that Green Bay is probably going to be coming for Reggie Wayne. And if you look, if you're Reggie Wayne's agent, you know you have some great news right there to hear that Green Bay is calling. And I think you maybe you use that in any type of negotiation when it comes to money uh, uh, that Reggie Wayne is going to get from the Patriots. And if you're the Patriots, though, to hear that Green Bay all of a sudden is going to inquire about Reggie Wayne, I think you're probably saying to yourself, why are we even going to let Reggie leave and go talk to Green Bay? You know what, Reggie? We're not going to let you leave. We want to keep you here. How do we make this happen? Similar to how Steve Smith was saying he was going to sign with the Patriots. Oh, excuse me. He was going to visit the Patriots. And he was leaving Baltimore, and he was in the airport, right? And then the report was that Baltimore would not let him leave the airport. They did not let him fly to New England. You know what? I'm sure they pissed Bill Belichick off. But that's the way it works, and that's the way you need to make it work. Baltimore made the right move by not letting Steve Smith come and visit New England and talk to Bill Belichick and fall in love with the Patriots and fall in love with uh, catching footballs from Tom Brady, right? Harbaugh says, you know, the Ravens say, no, 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 we're not even going to let that happen. That would be a dumb business decision. We're going to keep Steve Smith here. We're not letting him leave the airport. They didn't. Same thing I think happened here with the Patriots. You bring Reggie Wayne in. You hear that other teams are interested. Maybe Reggie said, I'm going to go visit Green Bay on Monday. And the Patriots said, no, no, no. You're not going anywhere. You're going to stay here, and you're going to be a Patriot. And I'm thrilled that Reggie Wayne is a member of the New England Patriots. And I get some tweets that are saying, why do you like this? Why do you want Reggie Wayne? And I guess my, my question to you is, why do you not? Like, I, I don't understand anybody that would look at this signing and say, oh, I can't believe the Patriots signed Reggie Wayne. Like, what the fuck is the big deal? If anything, it's a veteran receiver that, look, he caught 800 yards receiving last year. Right? And, and anybody that wanted to tease Randy Moss because he was – you know, at the Patri- on the Patriots' sidelines at training camp practice last week, and he had the Patriots' jersey, and he, he hinted, said, I never lost that itch to play. Randy Moss hasn't played since 2012, okay? And he's, what, a year and a half older than Reggie Wayne? Reggie Wayne played last year. He played last season. And he caught 64 balls, and had almost 800 yards receiving on a Colts team. Look, that, that obviously Reggie Wayne wasn't uh, the top option there, but that was his season last year. So I look at that and say, you get him in New England with a Patriots offense that, by the way, is dealing with some issues. Edelman's banged up. They're not going to rush that back. Um, LaFell is hurt, right, or at least recovering. Of course, we don't know the exact extent to any of this stuff because it is just preseason, and and I'd rather be in a situation that the Patriots have put themselves in, which is there's no need to play the Edelmans, the Gronks, the LaFells in in preseason games because look what just happened to Jordy Nelson, right? They fear it's a torn ACL. Aaron Rodgers, you heard him after the game. He said, "I, it's tough to lose one of your top players in a meaningless game. And... He he almost wanted to flip out, saying, why is he even playing? (laughs) Right? Uh, So, I look at what the Patriots are doing, and I say, sure, they have their injuries. I don't know how serious any of them are. 
but they're at least doing the right thing by not rushing them back and not throwing them into meaningless preseason games. If those injuries are remotely serious at all, and even if, you know what, even if they're not, I mean, you play week one, week two, you could lose two of your receivers just like that. Who knows? It happens. Reggie Wayne, veteran, the career that he has. We've heard Belichick talk about Reggie Wayne. He loves him. I mean, he, again, he didn't have a terrible season last year. It wasn't as good. As, it wasn't vintage Reggie Wayne. You know, it wasn't the 1,000, you know, 1,200, 1,300 yards receiving uh, with, with six to eight touchdown Reggie Wayne. It wasn't, he didn't have that. It wasn't vintage Reggie Wayne. But I think you put him with Tom Brady, he's going to love playing with him. Right? He's going to love playing with Tom Brady. Tom Brady's going to love playing with Reggie Wayne. And if there's issues in the wide receiver core with regards to injuries, why wouldn't you bring him in? I just feel like it's a no-brainer. No-brainer. Reggie Wayne, all day, every day. He has signed with the Patriots. I love it. It's getting me, it has me excited. Look, I love Randy Moss. He's one of my favorite players to ever play the game. Okay? But the guy hasn't played in two, he took two seasons off now. You expect, and he's also a year older than, than Reggie Wayne. That's the move you want to make? Uh, no. Reggie Wayne's the guy. I'm glad they didn't let him leave, and I'm glad Reggie is a member of the New England Patriots. The Patriots, they beat the Saints on Saturday night in New Orleans in the second preseason game. He got a nice little comeback. He fell behind 21-0. Tom Brady played only the first three possessions. The Patriots went three and out in those possessions. Can't put too much stock into it because, again, he was not playing with many of his top receivers. Uh, also, offensive linemen missing. So, you, there's, you can't look at that. But you do, and even though the result of the game is meaningless, you kicked a field goal of 14 seconds left because Kowski did uh, to win the game. What was it, 26-24? You win that game. Either way, you, you get a field goal to win it with 14 seconds. Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, the fact that you give in-game experience for a comeback like that, you still have to take some. Even though the game's meaningless, and he's not playing against the ones or even with the ones, you got to give credit to being put in that situation and actually overcoming the 21 and nothing deficit and leading the team as a quarterback to a victory in that game. You, gotta, you do have to take some positives out of that. So I, I loved seeing that. What I don't love seeing is Devin McCourty complaining that he does not want to play cornerback. Devin McCourty was a corner, then was moved to safety, and it's the spot where I love to see him at. But bottom line is this. Um, the Patriot way, and Devin McCourty should know because he's one of the leaders on this team. They lost Revis. They lost Browner. They lost Arrington. You lost most of your top cornerbacks this offseason. Sure, you have Malcolm Butler now playing a more regular role. And you're going to look for big things from him. And, and maybe that's going to be too much to ask right away. I don't know. But if you are struggling at that cornerback spot, and you feel like Devin McCourty is going to be the guy that's going to fix some of those issues, then you make that move. And I'm to the point where I trust Bill Belichick more than I trust anybody in the history of the world with anything, okay? Especially when it comes to defensive decisions. So Devin McCourty, to play cornerback, and I don't know if he's going to be there all season or even at all during the regular season, but he's been playing some corner. If Bill Belichick thinks that this team is best suited with Devin McCourty playing cornerback, then that's probably, then this team is probably best suited with that happening. Now, I don't necessarily want it, but I'm willing to accept it if that's really what Belichick is going to do. The guy that doesn't seem to be accepting it right now is Devin McCourty, and I have a major issue with that. Because I, if you've learned anything with this organization, it's 
the Patriot way is this is a football team. Nobody's better than anybody else, and especially when you just get signed to a monster contract. If the team thinks that you should go back to cornerback as a leader on this team, knowing what this organization's all about, you should probably accept that. And even if internally you do not like what's happening to you, you cannot come out to the media and start complaining about it. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this right now. Devin McCourty continues to complain about cornerback. You're gonna, we're going to wake up one day and it's going to say Devin McCourty is cut, has been cut. I'm, I'm telling you that right fucking now. If this guy, and I'm, I told you on WEI yesterday, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe reading these, some of these quotes and hearing some of these quotes, that maybe this is an overreaction on our part and maybe we're misinterpreting this and these comments a little bit. I'm willing to sort of accept that theory and that idea. For the time being, because I like Devin McCourty, I think that uh, this is, look, I, I like him. I think he's a leader for this football team. I think that he is certainly somebody that this team needs. But I, I just, it, we've seen this so many times in this town with this organization. If, if you are not going to be a team player, I don't care how good you are, how much of a leader you are, how much you mean to this team, you're gone. You're gone. If you're going to start complaining publicly about shit, about your role, you're gone. See you later. They're not going to deal with that. But McCordy, look, I like him. He's been good in the past. Seems like a nice guy. Seems like he understands. Seems like he's a smart dude. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to overreact to this stuff right now. I'm going to see how it plays out. But if, if McCourty, if they put him at the cornerback position in week one and week two, and he's doing these you know, one-on-one interviews with big-time media members, and he's saying, this is bullshit. I don't want to be a cornerback. I'm a safety. They signed me to be a safety. I want to be a safety. I want it my way. He's getting cut. And I don't want to see McCourty get cut because I think he's, he's valuable to this football team. But he's also... You know, he's also not a Hall of Fame safety or a Hall of Fame cornerback. So, as much as I like him, this is also an organization that saw, that went to the Super Bowl in 2011 with Julian Edelman making big plays at corner, (laughs) okay? And if you think that Julian Edelman is not going to be at all in the secondary this year, you're nuts. We're going to see some of Julian Edelman in the secondary this year. I almost want to guarantee it. So, and guess what? If they ask him to do it, Julian Edelman is not going to complain. He's not. So, I mean, I, I, I can't. I just, here's what I need. My message to Devin McCourty. I'm not going to overreact to this right now, but please, don't complain about, if they put you at cornerback, please don't complain about it publicly. Okay? Because that's not going to, the, the result of that, is not going to be very good. It won't. And I like McCourty, and I want him to stick around. So I just wish he would accept the role that they put him at. And, I mean, look, how can he not understand what this cornerback spot looks like? They need improvement there. If if McCourty, look, I don't want him there. I'd rather have him as a safety and have a better cornerback. But let's face it. Maybe Devin McCourty as a safety, maybe he's one of the best cornerbacks on this team. Which is, which is not a good thing to say, but, but if that is the case, then he's going to have to play there. And they're going to have to figure something out. So, that's where we stand with the Patriots. 
Uh, that's where we stand with football in general. Baseball this weekend as I wrap up the show. Uh, the Red Sox, they blew a game yesterday, but I'm not going to get crazy about results. Jackie Bradley Jr. continues to crush the ball at the plate. And I tell you right now, it's more than just a fluke. He's been doing this for almost a month, if not a month. And uh, it's the approach that he has. It's the one-two counts that he's getting base hits off of. It's the big spots against big-time pitches. It's uh, balls on the outside that... He's shortening the swing, and he's putting into the gap the other way. He's the killer instinct in the guys, the look in his eyes, the confidence that he's showing. Jackie Bradley Jr., It's what he's doing offensively is no fluke. He's made the adjustments, put in the work to fix this, and we know what he is in the field. And if you ask me right now, I have to trade either a Mookie Betts or a Jackie Bradley Jr. in a package to get a stud starting pitcher. I'm going to tell you I'm trading Mookie Betts over JBJ right now. Because I've convinced myself that what Jackie Bradley Jr. is doing at the plate right now is no fluke. Are there going to be slumps in his career? Sure. But what we've learned is that Jackie Bradley has become a professional hitter. And if you're an opposing pitcher, it's almost a scary thing to see right now. It is, when he steps up to the plate. So, keep our eye on the Red Sox. Uh, They're in Chicago to take on the White Sox the next couple nights. I'm here five days a week. DannyPicard.com. You can get the show on iTunes, anywhere they have podcasts. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it, all forms of social media. I'll watch Monday Night Raw tonight, and I'll break it down for you as well tomorrow. And anything that happens with Playgate, uh, NFL news, we'll talk about it. Uh, but until then, I'm out. See you.